This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipsker from Chabad of Hyde Park. And a wonderful Arab Shabbos to all of you. Good to be with you. Spend some time, look at the Parsha, try to understand what it really means in our lives, and how, in fact, it can and should be read, so that, in fact, Torah becomes a book of constant daily instruction, a book of teaching, a book that tells us how to better our lives, how to live a life according to the code that God intended when he created the world. The world, of course, is a place that can become dark and confusing and uncertain. And in order for us to see a path of light, a path of correctness, it's necessary for us to have the light of Torah, Torah or Torah being light, and the wisdom of Torah, which is a divine wisdom, the wisdom of God, and to use those teachings, to use those commandments to make our lives a little bit better. And each and every single week we have another Parsha, a Parsha that talks to us about, well, different type of mitzvot, different types of events that affect the Jewish people. But basically each and every single week there is a specific message. And while, of course, we have read this Parsha throughout the ages, countless times. Nonetheless, each and every single time that it reappears, it carries with us a very real message for the moment that we live in. Times change, the world changes, all sorts of things change. And because of that, we can mistake when we think that perhaps as a result of that, our Torah changes as well. But Torah is truth, and truth is eternal, consistent. It remains forever intact. It doesn't change. It doesn't in any way diminish. Truth is a truth yesterday, today, and tomorrow, all the way back in time and all the way in the future. And this is why when we look at Torah Temet, we look at the Torah, which is true, the truth of Torah, we are able to cut through the confusion and the darkness, the uncertainty of the time, and to see clarity. And each and every single place has its own set of circumstances as well. Each and every single place has its own reality, and it's specifically there because of the infinity of Torah. The infinity of Torah is able to transcend time and place and speak specifically and directly to a time and space in which we live. We ourselves are changing creatures from, well, from infancy to childhood to adolescence to teen years to adult years to, well, as we go through life, we change in so many different ways. And we think to ourselves, yes, once upon a time, this was real, this was current, this was relevant. But today, because of my changed circumstances and the change within myself, my emotional changes, my intellectual changes, my changes of, of perception of reality, this no longer means anything. No, again, because of the infinity of Torah, it has a message and a truth to teach each and every one of us, regardless of the time and space, regardless of the period in our lives that we happen to be right now. Each and every single situation, each and every single moment has the light of Torah shining upon it, bringing clarity and purpose. And this is why it's so important to 
read the Parsha, to learn the Parsha, to understand the Parsha, but to extract from the Parsha a message, a lesson, something that speaks to me here and now, something that tells me precisely what I should and should not be doing. It has to talk to me. And this is why when we hear the Torah being read, when we study it throughout the week, as is the custom of so many, that each and every single day they learn a different portion of the weekly Parsha. We have to, again, not only look at the commentaries, look at the translation, understand the meaning of the words, but to bring some sort of personal message to ourselves, to understand ourselves a little bit better, and to try and see the light of Torah coming into our lives. And particularly, those parashiyot that we read at this time of the year, the month of El, the month of preparation, the month in which we are expected to reflect upon the past, to recognize who and what we are, and to make commitments, undertakings for the future. We know, after all, very soon we have to stand before God Almighty on Rosh Hashanah, the Day of Judgment, and therefore we have to prepare ourselves accordingly, and the only way that we can prepare ourselves accordingly is to prepare ourselves honestly, and honestly means not with, well, I'm going to be honest. Honestly means with a true understanding of who and what we are, a true understanding of our strengths, of our weaknesses, of our talents, of our shortcomings, of, well, our achievements, our disappointments. It's supposed to talk to us on a level that we know ourselves. And once we know ourselves, our whole sense of preparation takes on far greater and deeper meaning. Elul is a time, Anila Dodi Vedodi Li. We are told that this is a time that here below, each and every one of us must make an overture to God Almighty. Each and every one of us has to reach out a knee. It begins with self. Yes, we look at ourselves, we understand ourselves, and from this limited position of self, we are expected to reach out to God Almighty so that he does ultimately grant us a good sweet year. And this is a time, a time of the year, that the 13 dimensions of God's infinite compassion and kindness radiate with extraordinary strength. This is a time where those 13 dimensions of kindness touches each and every one of us on the most profound and intense level. Each and every one of us simply has to make that overture, and suddenly what is revealed within us is this incredible, incredible awareness awareness that we possess greatness, we possess the ability to make those changes, to move forward, to do what we have to do with a tremendous sense of purpose, and yes, with a tremendous sense of joy. It's not always joyful to look at oneself and to see one's shortcoming, to see one's blemishes, one's mistakes. It doesn't bring about a sense of joy. But knowledge in the true sense of the word, when we know, when we see ourselves honestly, even though there might be certain aspects of our lives that we're not altogether happy with, nonetheless we know with a tremendous sense of certainty that this is the right path and this gives us an inner dimension of joy. We approach God, yes, with trepidation, yes, with modesty, yes, with a degree of fear, yes, with a tremendous dimension 
of awe, but at the same time with a tremendous dimension of joy as well. And this is why these parshiots, the parshas that we read this time of the year, not only speak to us as each and every parsha does and should, but they speak to us within the context of Elul. They speak to us within the context of each and every one of us making this incredible overture to God and receiving a response which is powerful, which is great, which is benevolent, and which is kind. More of that soon. This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. We're talking about how the Parsha speaks to us, particularly this time of the year during the month of Elul, a month that we have to prepare ourselves accordingly and honestly in order to approach God on the Day of Judgment, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and to appeal to Him to give us a good, sweet year in every sense of the word, materially and spiritually. We're talking about the month of Elul, how the Parsha speaks to us, and the Parsha this week is Shoftim, and Shoftim is an amazing parsha because when we look at it, we see the various types of laws that are discussed, the various types of laws that are described. We begin to understand that an incredible pattern starts to take place, not only in the parsha, but in our understanding of the parsha, in understanding of life, in our understanding of what, in fact, the Jewish community is all about. The parsha begins with the words Shoftim Vishatrim. Judges and officers, sheriffs, you should appoint in all the gateways of Jewish communities. And then throughout the Parsha, we come across other types of leadership as well. We speak about the laws that pertain to the king, the appointment of a king, the coronation of a king, and how a king has to, well, act and behave in relationship to himself, to his people, and before God. We talk about the Kohen, the priest, that has all sorts of ritual responsibilities in the temple and elsewhere, the gifts that we have to give him, and certain responsibilities and duties that apply to him. And the fourth that we talk about is the Navi, the prophet, the one who speaks in the name of God, the one who speaks the words of God, the vehicle through which God transmits his instructions to the people. And how these four different types of people, these four different types of positions of offices, the judges, the king, the priest, and the prophet, all of them come together to guide, to direct, and to lead the Jewish community. And each one is very different than the other. The judge, of course, has to deal with the legal dimensions, the application, and to ensure that the people fulfill those responsibilities and obligations. The king, of course, the king is the one who is the executive. He goes into battle. He is the head of the community. We speak about the Kohen. The Kohen takes care of the ritual in the Holy Temple, and the prophet is the one who safeguards the religious identity of the Jewish people. And each and every single one of these contributes a major, major aspect of Jewish life. You can't have one without the other. You can't just have a king. You can't just have a prophet. You can't just have a priest. You can't just have judges. Each and every society, particularly the Jewish society, there has to be a unique and well-balanced partnership between these four different types of people. We've seen throughout the ages that those societies that have courts only 
often become very totalitarian and become tyrants in a sense. Those who have kings only. The kings rule often with power and with a tremendous degree of selfishness. And those societies that only have priests, religious priests, they too can become somewhat destructive and fanatical. And similarly, those that are led by a prophet only. Leadership as defined in this week's Parsha has to be a combination of the judges, the king, the priests, and the prophets. And while, of course, today we don't have those individuals per se separately, but we have to look to people as leaders who have the capacity to contain aspects of each of those, to somehow fulfill the role of the judge, as well as the role of the king, as well as the role of the priest, as well as the role of the prophet. This is what leadership is all about. Leadership is not only, in a sense, one dimension. It is a combination of different types of personas, different types of dimensions and leadership qualities, different types of skills that each one brings to the leadership person. And this is the way the Jewish community, people of God, the chosen people of God, are expected to function. And this is why this Parsha is so very important, because it gives us insights in how to structure our societies in a way that there is a sense of balance between each of these offices, and each and every one of them fulfills its purpose. But strangely enough, when you think about it, although we speak about kings, we speak about prophets, we speak about priests, each one of them giants in their own roles, a king after all, a melech has incredible power, has incredible incredible strength. The king has to be honored beyond everyone else. The priest, of course, the one who is able to enter the holy domain of the temple. He is able to come in to the Bet HaMikdash. He is the one who serves within the temple on behalf of the people. He has to be in a state of Kedusha, of holiness, of ritual perfection. The prophet, of course, speaking in the name of God, not only speaking in the name of God, but God appears to him and God gives him a message and through him this message is passed on to the people. Each and every one of these is an incredibly developed individual. But the Parsha is not called Melech King. The Parsha is not called Kohen Priest. The Parsha is not called Navi Prophet. The Parsha is called Shoftim Judges. Why is it that we give the judges such prominence? Yes, judges have an incredibly important role to play. After all, they are the ones who have to interpret the law. They are the ones who have to apply the law. The courts have to have officers to see that the laws are fulfilled. They are enforced. The judges have an incredibly important job and role to play in society. But why give them the distinct honor and position that all the others are defined and described and spoken about within a Parsha that is called judges, somewhat suggesting that, in a sense, the judges are the most important of them all. And perhaps the answer is that, yes, there is an importance within the judges that the others don't possess. The judges who have to deal with people on a daily basis, the sheriffs, those who enforce the law, who are there 
to make sure that the laws that are passed by the judges are ultimately fulfilled. This is something which is incredibly important, that the laws of God, those mitzvot that govern our lives, that become part of our lives, they should be fulfilled. If there is conflict, if there is any situation of doubt, we turn to the judges and we ask for clarification. Strangely enough, in most Western societies today, certainly those that have a constitution, the highest well, court in the land is the Constitutional Court, Supreme Court, or whatever they call it in various parts of the world. But they are the ones who ultimately rule and beyond which there is no appeal. Those are the ones who make the final ruling. But here, too, we have to understand the role of the judges is such that they have to deal with the everyday problems and conflicts and uncertainties that come about as a result of living life in a practical world. And this is why they were at the gates near the marketplace, so that people who did have a conflict, people who did have questions and issues, were able to immediately go to the courts and find some sort of clarity, some sort of resolution. And this is why it's so important to ensure that the judicial structure of any society is correct and proper. The proper people are appointed to that office. The proper people fulfill the responsibilities of that office. And they, in turn, appoint people who will ensure that those laws, in fact, are fulfilled. They bring about the enforcing of the law as well, dealing with those issues. But interestingly enough, it says they have to be at the gateways. And our sages tell us something which is so profound and so beautiful. We talk about the gateways of our own lives, the gateways into ourselves, our ears, our eyes, our mouths, our nostrils, anything that we allow things from the outside to enter into our consciousness, into ourselves, what we hear what we see, what we smell, what we taste, all those things are gateways into our lives. And this is why, as I mentioned before, particularly during the month of Elul, the role of the judges becomes so much more important. It becomes important because, as I said before, this is a time of correct and honest preparation. And correct and honest preparation needs a sense of judgment and judging. We live in a society, oh, we talk about, oh, he's not judgmental at all. Now, of course, we shouldn't be overly critical. Of course, we shouldn't be judgmental of others. But the concept of judgment and to be judgmental from time to time, particularly with ourselves is absolutely vital and important because if we don't judge ourselves or if judges don't judge societies, societies will fall apart. They will take the road to self-destruction. They will take the road to chaos, to confusion, to uncertainty, to darkness. If we don't stop these things, if we don't halt that slide into 
the abyss, into the emptiness, into the nothingness, if we don't act correctly as far as the legal systems are concerned, then of course society begins to fall apart and to fall apart dramatically. How much more so do we have to be judgmental with ourselves? You take a look at every single mitzvah and you consider it and you think to yourself the role of self-judgment. Should I eat this or should I not eat this? Is this appropriate? Is this not appropriate? Is this the way I should dress? Is it appropriate? Is it inappropriate? Is this the way I should behave toward others? Is this what I should see? Is this what I should hear? Is this what I should taste? Is this what I should, in fact, inhale. Is this good for me? Is this proper? Are my gateways being protected? And this is the month of El, the month of El, when we try, desperately try to become better, a lot better than we were before. We have to ensure that the role of the judge within ourselves is well taken care of and exercises the responsibility of self-judgment with a tremendous degree of honesty and clarity. Yes, it has to be gentle. Yes, it has to be with love, even to ourselves. It has to be gentle and with love, but at the same time, it has to be honest. It has to be correct. Otherwise, we will never deal with those issues in life that needs correction, that needs to be fixed up, that needs to be changed. Shoftim b'shotrim. We have kings and we have prophets and we have the kohanim, every one of them, absolutely important. The balance of each and every role is the foundation and the structure of our society. But the key role, particularly when it comes to the everyday issues of self, our workings, our lives, our behavior, our relationships, those laws that touch us 24-7, this is where the judge comes in. And this is why he is given this position of incredible prominence. He is given not only the title of judge, but the entire Parsha, which speaks about the role of leadership throughout the entire Jewish community, is given to the judge because the judge has that sense of responsibility that is overwhelming and pervasive, and this is why absolutely necessary and, in a sense, more important than the others. More of that. This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipsker from Chabad of Hyde Park. We're talking about the role of judges, a role that has to be fulfilled by men of excellence, of knowledge, of modesty, of strength, of courage, of, well, being fair, being compassionate, but at the same time being honest in order to ensure that the laws of Torah are fulfilled properly. And this is what this Parsha is all about. Just a couple of things within this Parsha that I want to highlight because it talks to us about something which often, well, we overlook. There is a commandment that says, Tamim Behold, be perfect, be complete with God your God. What does that really mean? What does it mean, be complete, be wholehearted with God your God? It talks about, within the context of, well, soothsayers and magicians and all sorts of interesting philosophers that come along with ideas that tend to impress people. And Torah says, be careful before you allow yourself to be drawn into that particular idea, into that particular philosophy, into that particular spiritual behavior, because it might be something that will take you away 
from fulfilling the law of God. And therefore it says, be wholehearted, be complete. Even though sometimes things look so attractive and wonderful, you remain loyal with a tremendous sense of dedication and faith to Torah, to the law of God. And this is a problem which affects not only our society, but throughout history, Jewish society. So many Jews throughout the millennium were so impressed by all sorts of ideas that came to the fore, this idea, that idea. And we go all the way back, whether it was idolatry, pseudo-idolatry, whether it was whatever philosophy or ism, communism, socialism, etc., 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 and how many people were drawn to those things because they looked so attractive at the time. And the end result in almost every single one of those circumstances was a disaster, was a tragedy. Not only did it take the Jewish people away from their source, to take them away from their identity, from their Jewishness, but they ultimately end up into state of, well, confusion, and we suffer from that today as well. So many Jews, young Jews, older Jews, Jews that are easily impressed or perhaps intellectually impressed or emotionally impressed by all sorts of isms, ideas out there, and upon close examination, we begin to realize that they aren't consistent with the will of God. They are not consistent with what God expects from us in order to create a perfect world, in order to create a good world, in order to be ourselves become whole people. And this is why he says, Tamim, be wholehearted with God, be connected with God with a tremendous sense of devotion and faith and correctness, and you will see that ultimately that contains all the answers. And the reason often why we are so, well, almost intoxicated by these attractive ideas is not so much because they are attractive as such, but because we are ignorant of our own Jewishness. We are ignorant of who and what we are. We are ignorant about the wisdom of Torah. We are ignorant about the divine spirituality of God's presence. We are ignorant about what our soul is all about and the relationship of the soul in our bodies. We are ignorant of so many things. We are ignorant about the social justice that Torah prescribes in terms of a healthy society throughout the part. Time and again, we come across ideas and attitudes that talk to us about correct behavior on so many different levels throughout the entire Torah. Each and every single law, when examined, you begin to see the majesty, the beauty, the greatness of the law. It's divine in origin. It's divine in essence. It's divine in application, even though within the human rule. It's correct. It's proper. And it satisfies one on so many different levels, emotionally, intellectually, spiritually. We have no need to be seduced by other ideas and isms. Our sages tell us again and again that these divine words, speaking to each and every one of us, so important, particularly in the time that we live in. And as we come to the end of the Parsha, one of those incredible examples of how the judges had to, well, by example, show a tremendous sense of concern to the people in terms of correct behavior. It speaks about the strange law of the Egla Arufa. It speaks about the law, if you find a murdered body outside a town, and it's close to a particular town, the elders have to come out to that place and go through an incredibly important ritual. 
They have to make a statement that our hands did not shed this blood. And the commentary say what anybody suspect, the elders, the judges of the town, of the city, of the village, to have participated in such a heinous crime. The answer is, well, of course they didn't do it. But did they exercise their jobs responsibly? After all, they had to teach the people. This individual, was he in the town? Was he shown hospitality? Was he given a roof over his head? Was he given a few meals while he was here? Was he escorted out of town in order to provide a certain amount of safety along the roads? And the roads, of course, in those days were places of great danger. Did we educate the people of our town to correct, to behave correctly? Or did we simply, well, it happens, it happens, it's not us, we are not guilty and therefore turn a blind eye, which in fact is the attitude of modern society. Something bad happens, well, we didn't do it, it's not our fault, it's not our problem, but it is our fault, it is our problem, it's a collective problem, it's a collective fault. We have to educate people to behave correctly, and there has to be a tremendous emphasis on implementing that correct behavior. We have to do whatever we can to ensure that people behave correctly. Of course there will be criminals, of course the law will be broken from time to time, but at the same time it's not only protecting ourselves against criminals, but living a life that indicates a sense of caring, a sense of concern, a sense of reaching out to others and truly being helpful to others, doing the right thing. And this is why the elders have to come out and stand near this murdered body and they have to pronounce, our hands did not shed this blood because we endeavor to teach the people in our community to behave correctly. And this is a great tragedy. And this is something that we have to understand. It's not enough not to do things that are wrong. We have to do things that are right. It's not enough not to break the law. We have to enhance ourselves. We have to enhance our communities. We have to do the right thing in a positive, good way. Not only not to break the law. Today, of course, in any society, an individual who doesn't break the law, he's wonderful. That's not enough. You have to teach people. Parents have to teach children. Schools have to teach pupils. Society has to teach each other. The judicial system has to send out a message. We are not here only to, well, determine right and wrong, what is correct, what is incorrect, or to punish those and judge those who have broken the law. There has to be a sense of leadership, of education, of indicating by word and by example, by word and by example, what's right, what's correct, and what's proper. And this is the teaching of this week's Parsha, and this is why it's so relevant during the month of Elul, the month that we have to prepare ourselves correctly. It's a month, yes, that the 13 divine dimensions of compassion and kindness are here with a tremendous degree of revelation and energy. They are present. We simply have to reach out and take them to reach out and to make a difference. And this is why this Parsha is so very important. So when you are in shul tomorrow, listen carefully. Listen carefully to how the judges have to behave and what their duties are. Listen carefully to how the king has to behave and what his duties are. Listen to the Kohen and what his responsibilities and duties 
duties are. Listen to the story of the prophets and what their duties and responsibilities. Listen to the various laws that are discussed and try to apply them to yourself, not only as some sort of objective legal structure, but what it means to each and every one of us, what it means to you, what it means to me personally and directly, and let's use that knowledge to make this month of Elul a better month, a greater month, a month of change, a month of development, and a month that we approach God with a degree of awe, with a tremendous sense of joy. And he responds to us by granting each and every one of us a good and sweet year. Good Shabbos.